Thank you, Ms. Van der Merwe. Honorable Stock, do you accept the nomination? Mr. Stock? Thank you, Mr. Stock. You may start our meeting. Yes, I Okay. Uh, thank you very much, uh, honorable members. Uh, good evening to all of you. And I hope you are well and good today and looking forward to the meeting. Uh, let me take this opportunity uh, uh, on behalf of uh, in absentia, Honorable Gungumbele, our chairperson, who is still struggling to log into the meeting, to welcome all of you uh, to the meeting and also to thank you in advance for making time available uh, to join the meeting this evening. Uh, I'm going to give over to the committee secretary, uh, Ms. Marcel Williams, to take us through uh, about the roll call, the support staff that are here, the departmental officials, and also to deal with the apologies. Over to you, Marcel. Thank you, Acting Chairperson. Um, according to our agenda for today, we have the opening and welcome, which you have now already done. We have the introduction of the members. I have a list of members. Um, Honorable Stock, the list includes Honorable Bilankulu, Honorable Van der Merwe, Honorable Aris, Honorable Nguenya, Honorable Mangania, Honorable Abrahams, Honorable Mvana, and yourself, Mr. Stock. And then um, I have a message that Honorable Masango will be a bit late. And one apology for Honorable Stukas. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Oh, thank you, Honorable Members. Those are the apologies. Uh, and then can we get the mover and seconder for the apologies as we table them? Chairperson, it's Honorable Fanamarva. I move for the uh, adoption, well, to accept the apologies as listed and as tabled. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Honorable member, uh, can we get a seconder, please? Honorable uh, members. Uh, yes. Stock, um, Alexandra Abrams, I'll second it. Thanks. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Abrams. Uh, honorable members, we now move to the next item on the agenda, which is the adoption of the agenda. Marcel, can you just take us through about the agenda and then we table it to the portfolio committee. Over to you, Marcel. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. We have a briefing by the Department of Social Development implementing the gender-based violent femicide emergency response plan. Thereafter, we have an update on the progress made in response to COVID we have a discussion thereafter and then responses after we close. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much uh, for the tabling of the agenda, uh, Marcel. Uh, honorable members, there's the agenda in front of us. Can we get the mover and an adoption? A section of the Chair, if I can just make a comment. Okay, is it Honorable Abrams? Yes. In, okay. in, in, in previous um, committee meetings, um, the chairperson indicated that at every portfolio committee, we would get a short summary on COVID-19 interventions. And I do not see that summary 
at this um, portfolio committee. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Are you suggesting that we must add a separate and additional item to the agenda, as I understand you, Honorable Member? Um, th that was the recommendation put forward by um, the chair at uh, one of our other committees, that at every committee going forward, we will get a synopsis, a, a summary on the COVID-19 um, interventions. Okay, can we, can we agree with this one? Eh? Uh, maybe there's some... Okay, Honorable Member? Over to you. Chairperson, um, I might be mistaken, but there is an item that says update on progress made to respond to COVID-19 pandemic issues. Yes. I assume yes. that the updates will come in that slot. So I think we are covered and therefore I think we should move for the adoption of the agenda as is. The item on the short summary is, is listed there, Chairperson. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. Uh Honorable Fundamental, for that clarity. Uh, Honorable Abrams, the issue that you are raising is quite, it's quite, it, it's covered. Uh, my my apologies, I didn't see that on what I'm reading. Thank you. Okay, okay, no, that's understandable, Honorable Member. Uh, Honorable Member, uh, can we table the agenda, uh, agenda for adoption and move forward? Sorry? Mvan? Honorable Member, over to you. Thank you, Chair. I've already moved. I'm again moving for the adoption of the agenda as it is. Okay. Can we get the second, please? I will second the adoption, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Members. We are now moving to the next item in our agenda, which is the briefing by the Department of Social Development on the progress made in implementing on gender-based violence, femicide, emergency response action plan. I will now take this opportunity to give over to uh, our other minister, Minister Magema Zulu, to take us through and allocate who will be dealing with the presentation from the department. Over to you, Honorable Minister. We are still with you. Oh, that's the minister. Okay. Yes, I am here, Chair, oh, but you? there's okay. something. Yeah, there's something that keeps on happening here on the system. It keeps on going away and coming back. Um. Um. I thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and good evening to the honourable members who are here today. Um. I would like to look for Connie. Oh, there she is. Connie, uh, uh, Connie is going to make the presentation. Um, can I also just say that the acting DG is trying to connect. He's, he's having a problem. I was talking to him just a few minutes ago. He was supposed to speak first, but let me allow Connie to make the presentation, please, through you, Chair. Okay. Speaker first. Then I, I thank you, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. 
Can you hear me and can you see the slides? We can't see the slides, but we can hear you. On my side, I can't see the slides. Yeah, no slides. No slides. No slides, my sister. I we we're having a bit of a technical issue again. Even the the ADG was trying to connect his his got I, I don't know. Try to even now you can't see the slides. We still can't see the slides on our side. We only see you trying for the last time. Still you can't see. We can't see still. I think one of the is available. How do I do this? I try to share, it doesn't want to share. Uh, can you hear me, sir? Can you hear Yes, yes. Over to you, Honorable Bikankuru. I think I... Honorable Bikankuru, we can hear you. Do you want to say something? It's okay. Check. Check. Hello. Okay. Honorable member. There it is. There it is. Yes, we can see it now. Honorable. Yes. Okay. The connection is very bad, but she's got the slides on already. Thank you. Oh, okay. yeah, wrong. Hey, technology. The context, but also the milestone of the plan that I'm reporting to. So the presentation is basically limited to the emergency plan as per request from the portfolio committee. So I'll be reporting on the targets that were set for the emergency plan and also um, the... ...partnership that we have on with Department of Health and Infrastructure. Now, this slide, I won't go through it. It's basically to show the role that the kind of disabilities is doing vis-a-vis the work that the Social Development Department is also doing. So members will see that uh, the first bullet is basically about social development, but when you go to the second bullet, it begins to zoom in to the role that we have to perform to make sure that there's psychosocial support services in the fight against gender 
gender-based violence, taking into our Nigeria intervention and intervention uh, that are embedded in the response can support uh, that needs to be provided to victims of crime and violence. Now, the next slide, I'm just talking, I'm reminding honorable members on when did this emergency plan was conceptualized by the president. So the fact the measures that were put in place, including the uh, framework to monitor how the plan is being implemented by various government departments. The third bullet, I'm just listing the departments that were charged with the responsibility of implementing uh, the emergency plan. Uh, but also critical to mention that the lifespan of the plan that I'm reporting up to is clearly uh, March 2020 because members will remember it was for six months. And so the report I'm going to provide is up to March. However, the, the areas that were implemented during that six months, they continue to be implemented even beyond March. But technically, the plan has ended, and then the other process of national strategic plan uh, kicks in. Now, the context that I also want to provide is that um, the national strategic plan for gender-based violence and femicide has been concluded, um, which provides uh, the country with a roadmap that we all going to use to fight gender-based violence. And um, the resources that um, are going to enable the implementation are being prioritized uh, to implement the plan, uh, learning from the past six months of the emergency plan. So, but this process was also hit by the fact that COVID visited us and is still with us. So we have to see the new normal as to how we continue implementing the national strategic plan, moving from the emergency plan, because now we're moving to the national strategic plan, which is a five-year plan, to be able to deal with gender-based violence. Now, I also, in terms of context, put some tipping points that we um, uh, base our program. This is one slide that I also presented in one of the portfolio committee meetings. So I'm repeating it just to show members that this remains the basis on how we come up with programs to ensure that we use the risks to drive the change that we want to see. I won't uh, repeat and go into details with it. However, this is given birth the next slide now, in terms of list of some of the programs we are doing as a this is also a famous slide, and where I've listed the various programs. And look at the circles. That circle is basically uh, your ecological model because we believe that, and um, you have to start at an individual level that is influenced by the interpersonal relationships that the person is having, and also the society or the community in which the person is living in terms of gender-based violence. So hence, you see that circle uh, that is beginning to show how the programs are implemented across the levels uh, in terms of ecological modeling. So these are some of the programs 
uh, that I also spoke to last time. They are not conclusive. Uh, I just, uh, the slide could not take more than what I've indicated, but these are some of the programs that I've indicated. The YOLO one is you only leave once, and then the FMP is Family Matters Program that really supports families. With the YOLO, we also came up with a program for the younger ones because when we evaluated YOLO, the teenagers told us that, you know what, you need to start at a younger age because if you start from our level, already a lot of things have happened. So we recently launched a program called Chomi, and that program targets the younger children in terms of sexual reproductive health, issues of gender-based violence, you know, knowing you as a person, personal life skills and soft skills that we teach these young boys and girls to be able to build the character that we want to see moving forward. As a way of example, I won't go into details with all those other programs which I did last time, but I can engage with honorable members if they so wish. Then the next um, slide is basically now zooming into the plan itself, just to show what are the key areas that we are supposed to deliver as social development, of course, in some areas working with other departments. Um, access to justice for victims and survivors. These are copied as they are in the plan itself. Also change norms and behavior through high-level prevention efforts urgently respond to victims and survivors of gender-based violence, strengthen accountability and the architecture to adequately respond to the stage of uh, gender-based violence, but most importantly, to prioritize interventions that facilitate economic opportunities uh, that addresses women's economic vulnerability and needs. But lastly, issues of child protection measures, which has to be 365 days, of action against uh, violence, child abuse, neglect, and exploitation, and to ensure that we mobilize communities in addressing issues of violence against children. So those were the key areas that we also use to deliver a social development. Now, in terms of the first one, the target there was around, or the intervention was around the victim support services legislation, and we were supposed to submit bill to cabinet by the 31st of March. Um, we did that, and we did that before uh, even January. We did it on the 10th of December, which the cabinet approved that it be gazetted for uh, further public comments. Now, in the second area, it's about the campaigns that we were supposed to run to contribute, working with other departments. So there were three campaigns that we're supposed to do in the higher education institutions uh, targeting the campuses during the 16 days campaign. So we did achieve that and uh, we, we reached uh, 20,000 students uh, between November 2019 and March 2020. And we've got a list of all um, the institutions uh, that we have gone to to reach that number. If they are required, we will be able to submit to the committee uh, members also. But also the 365 Days Child Protection Campaign, we initiated that uh, in four provinces, uh, which is Gauteng, KZN, Western Cape, and Northern Cape. We are still continuing with uh, other provinces. With the new normal, we have um, re-looked at how best we can still continue it even 
uh, during COVID because this campaign was interrupted also in March. Now, the next area that we expected to, to deliver on was the workshops with traditional leaders uh, on child abuse, neglect, and exploitation. We did that training um, with uh, religious leaders uh, in identifying and reporting and, and referring cases because we believe they can play a very critical role. But we also train change agents uh, in four provinces, uh, 150 of them, to be able to play that role of working with children in, 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 in wards, which we have targeted uh, during the implementation of 365 days. Then we also had community imbizos uh, in Kharteng and Northern Cape to create awareness uh, on how we can prevent and manage violence against uh, children and all the areas that affect uh, uh, children in terms of abuse. Now, the other area that we um, were tasked to deliver on was the funding guidelines, because there's an outcry out there to say the funding guidelines for NGOs are not really user-friendly. So there were guidelines that were finalized and are available for to support the NGOs providing the services in the GBV sector. And those that and these guidelines are also used. They were shared with NDA as they will continue to fund NGOs using CARA fund. Now, in the next column there, you see the 50 million uh, that we received from CARA to be able to sustain and support civil society organizations. As we speak now, the NDA has finalized the 169 NGOs uh, that they've been verifying since the past two weeks after the GPV services were enlisted as essential services. They began to do the verification because when the lockdown came, they were about to do physical verification so that they can transfer funds. So in the next week or so, they will be able to transfer first tranches to their 169 and then go to the next batch that are dealing with prevention. Now, in terms of the um, funding uh, policy, that funding policy has been finalized and consulted with MIMIC, but it is awaiting a final sign-off so that it can be gazetted and be implemented by all uh, sectors and provinces to fund. Now, the other target that we were supposed to reach is the appointment of social workers, the 200. We appointed them in February already. I think it started, some of them started in November, December, but the last batch started in February. And then we also did training of 80 social workers in addition to that, because we were supposed to train 60, but we trained 80. Uh, on trauma debriefing from all the nine provinces so that they can continuously provide a trauma debriefing to all victims of crime and those that are for gender-based violence. There was also a target, you'll see, honorable members, that the, somehow it looks like there's a reputation. It's how the plan is crafted. So I made it a point that I don't leave any target. And the 200 that we appointed were also supposed to be trained. So we did train them before they started working because it was very important because these are social workers who were not doing any work, who were staying at home. So we had to ensure that they are trained, especially on 
debriefing just to refresh uh, their skills and also on psychosocial support that they were expected to provide. Um, also, there was an expectation from the plan, from the presidency, that we need to ensure that the 200 is not only just on contract, but they must be permanently employed. So, I, I'm happy to indicate that 200 social workers will, posts will be made permanent. And already adverts were out before lockdown, and, and now the shortlisting and the appointments are continuing in provinces now to make sure that... Uh, this currently what we have done is to just extend their contracts as they as it were. Now, also there was an indicator that uh, expected uh, the department to ensure that there's at least three LGBTIQ plus and persons with disabilities friendly shelters in three provinces with high prevalence of GBV. Now, with this, the expectation was not to build separate shelters, but to identify three provinces that will ensure that there are shelters that are accessible to LGBTIQ community and also for persons with disabilities in terms of admission criteria and also the infrastructure, the ablution facilities, and also the accommodation room, the non-sharing concept because the challenge was that they were not accessible in terms of infrastructure, but also the sharing and the uh, use of ablution facilities. So that we identified three, which is Mpumalanga, KZN, and Free State, uh, to be able to re-modify their admission criteria, their infrastructure, and ablution facilities to ensure that uh, we have at least three facilities that can accommodate. So this means even if you are in another province, you can be uh, sent to a particular province for you to access that help. But we acknowledge it, it may not be practical. For instance, it's far in KZN, Mbumalanga, and in Free State if you are in Gauteng. So we are beginning to say all provinces, please make sure that you have one or two shelters that can accommodate or are accessible to um, LGBTIQ community and also persons with disabilities. But for the purposes of the plan, uh, that's how we have um, achieved it. Now, the other area was the National Bank Master Plan, which was also approved by Cabinet uh, on the 10th of December. Now, what you see in slide 18, Honorable Members and Chair, is um, other interventions that we were involved with with Maine. So what I'm showing is all the programs that we did with dates and where these happened and which province. So we are running Men Championing Change Program, which has got men's parliaments, and, and we call them district parliaments because they happen at a district level. So this is a list of where these uh, happened, and it's basically a discussion with men around issues of gender-based violence and how we can assist them and how they can also assist the boy child and also themselves to be better a man in our society so that we reduce gender-based violence. Now, the other slide of 19 is the boys' assemblies because that is for the men, but we also run boys' assemblies. Uh, so we had nine assemblies for the boys, and that is the list of the dates in which those happened and the venues in which 
uh, these uh, boys assemblies happen. Also here, we interact with boys and we're targeting 500 in each of the session. So we're targeting boys, we speak with them around building character and also for them to talk about issues uh, uh, of gender openly and also be vulnerable as to what is it that they need to be assisted with and what type of role models they need because these are going to be um, the men of tomorrow uh, so that they can play a positive role in the prevention of gender-based violence. Now, the slide that follows that is breakdown of sheltering services that are, uh, are there across um, the provinces. You will note there we've got a number of shelters that are 134 and the number of white doors is 206. You will note that in the Western Cape, we don't have any white door as yet, but we have one Kuseleka one-stop. Also in Pumalanga and KZN, we don't have Kuseleka one-stop centers and also in Free State. So where there are gaps, it's a current plan for us to make sure that we close those gaps to say, if you don't have these, please plan for them and we can also support you as national to ensure that you have those facilities so that you bring service closer to the uh, communities or to the world where it is most needed. Now, these are some, these are lists of the next slide, child and youth care centers. These are now for children. And we have a number of children's homes across country is 350. And we have contemporary safe care is 69. These are some of the facilities we use to remove children and place them if really there's a need for them to be isolated from the abusive environment. Now, um, this is just statistics. I've included a slide to just share with honorable members the latest statistics around gender-based violence command center, um, which members still have to visit and experience how it works. Um, you will see that um, between the 27th of March, which is the lockdown period, and the 30th of May, we already received calls, which are 40,774. And I will talk uh, later as to whether they are all related to gender-based violence or not. And you will see we've tried to break down to say the SMSs we received and the USSD, the police call me, uh, that we also received and managed to call back to uh, uh, the clients. But interestingly, when you look at March, only it's only up to the 26th, it's 4,900. Can you hear me? Can I continue? All right, thank you. Sorry, Can somebody, Marcel, can you please mute the mic of Honorable Gungubere, please? I see now he's in the meeting. Please mute him. Yes, I'm here, Proceed. Okay, proceed, Cody. Uh, Thank you, um, Honorable uh, Chair. And then to just explain the figures um, of the previous slide, I was just saying um, the, the figures show the general increment of calls due to various reasons. And one of the reasons is that uh, members maybe shall have seen this number is consistently being advertised now to the public. 
but also the service that is provided, the trauma counseling and the psychosocial support in relation to COVID-19. It makes um, people to really use the number more than before. And also they're seeking more information and advice on social relief of distress. And the, 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 the numbers are not necessarily saying the, the GBV-related matters are not 40,000. So the numbers are broken down into various uh, categories uh, that I will show now. In terms of GBV, you'll see that it's only 1,407, but the non-GBV one is 4,037, uh, and the ones that we have referred uh, for further intervention is 233. And this is the, I'm talking about the between 27 and 30. You'll see that I spoke about 40,000, but when you look at the real calls that were dealt with, uh, for GBV, it's 1.4. The non-GBV, it's 4,000, over 4,000, and then they refer to 3.3. So now, the other thousands, most of them, they were print calls. Some of them, um, they could not be completed. It's, it's tickets that uh, were, were, were just dropped uh, along the way. So the remaining ones are the ones that are in this slide. Now I'm coming to the partnership that we have. These are the last slides we have with GPWI. Um, in December already, the, the, the Public Works, uh, as part of their response, the emergency response plan, they um, contacted the interim steering committee and uh, with the uh, support of social development to identify buildings, existing buildings, that could be handed over for utilization either as Kuseleka one-stop centers or as wide door safe spaces uh, in the identified six provinces that I mentioned before where there were dash dashes. And um, so that was done. And we, we got a list from Public Works where we visited some of the provinces to identify this building and do assessment with engineers from public works. So the next slide that I'll show after this one will show how the progress was in terms of the readiness of those buildings. So um, those visits were interrupted also by the lockdown. However, uh, the ones that were finalized um, were in, in Diverkas, um, Mountain View, Salvacorp, and Watertloff Ridge. And these we are saying we're going to use them in Houting. And one of the most ready one is Salvacorp, which we want to move the gender-based violence command center to because where they are now, we are renting the space. So if we go to this building, it will be a government building. Now, um, I think this is the um, repetition. I'll just go to the list itself. Uh, honorable members, if you look at that list, so basically it's about two provinces, is Western Cape and also Gauteng. So there are buildings that are already ready to be used in Gauteng and also some in the Western Cape province. But um, because COVID interrupted, there were renovations that were not yet completed. Because when the assessment is done, it is identified whether it is readily, um, it is readily available for use or for consumption or in line with the program 
and that we want to run because yes you can get a building it's something else to run a program immediately but you need to make sure that you you tweak certain things to be in compliance with what you want to do. So those renovations that are still outstanding are going to be finalized, especially in the four areas of the five areas of the Western Cape, so that they can be handed over. Having said that, there's also some buildings that public works may still do and assess in other provinces. These are the ones that visitation and assessment was done. So. I just want to conclude by saying we will continue to make sure that those buildings are used because there's much need in the community. So provinces have already been uh, uh, handed over these buildings so that they begin to use them for the purposes of ensuring that there's sheltering for uh, victims of gender-based violence. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much uh, for the presentation. Uh, uh, honorable members, uh, I think it's important for me to indicate the chair of the meeting, the chair of the portfolio committee, Honorable Gungu Bell, has joined the meeting. Now, in terms of procedure, I'm supposed to hand back to him uh, and so that he can continue with the meeting. Honorable Gungu Bell, welcome to the meeting. Uh, just to give you a brief uh, update, uh, we're just right now with item one on the agenda. Uh, which is the briefing by the department on the implementation of the GBV emergency plan. Uh, so we're supposed to move on to the next uh, item on the agenda. So I'm handing uh, over to Honorable Gungubele to take us through. Over to you, Honorable Gungubele. Thank you. Hey, good, good evening, Honorable Members. Good evening, good evening, Chair. Good evening, Chair. Yes, good evening, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, man. Uh, I had a bad evening for the first time since the visual began. So now you know how I felt when I wasn't able to answer the questions in Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> that was a disaster. Thank you very much. Uh, my understanding, Honorable Stock, uh, is that this was the first presentation. Members now are supposed to comment or seek questions. Am I correct? Absolutely, yes. Uh, Marcel, I'm having my hand up, but I don't know whether you can see it or not. I can't see it. Speak, Minister, whilst Marcel is preparing names of the list of the people who are going to speak. Okay, yes, I will do that quickly, Chairperson. Um, the first thing I want to indicate to members is that um, it's just a, a reminder to the members that we are still on Child Protection Week um, and uh, we, we, we launched the Child Protection Week uh, and we had uh, the theme of the Child Protection Week is let us all protect children during COVID-19 and beyond. And we had a very good program where we invited the ambassadors of each and every province who represent the children. Recall that the children gave us a manifesto last year and all the provinces were connected. And I'm telling you, for anyone who was able to see that, 
It was quite exciting to listen to the children, the ambassadors of all the children in all the provinces. All the provinces were able to uh, to connect with us, and it was live on SABC. It went um, uh, very well. The plea is for us to continue protecting the children, and as um, members, you will do your oversight in terms of what we do as government in supporting the children. But when all is said and done, it's about us uh, supporting the children, supporting the families, the communities, and the caregivers. That's just what I would like to say. The week goes on, and um, we have a whole week's program, which of course are affected by, by COVID-19, but uh, the new way of doing things doesn't stop us from uh, continuing to support our our children at all levels. And of course, the issue right now is about um, those that, the schooling, those that are, are unable to go back to school, and some have already gone back to school. That's the challenge. And then under us also, we have the 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 early childhood development programs. It's just a, 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 an information to the members about uh, this week. The second issue that I want to raise is with regard to the just the presentation that has now been made. I also want uh, Chairperson to raise the fact that this work that we are doing as a department must not be seen in isolation of the overall work that is being done by government and also being at, at all levels of government, the executive, provincial, and local level. So I do want to say to members that it's very important for us as a department to really connect to the rest of the departments because without the connection to the relevant departments, it's very difficult for us to carry the issue of gender-based violence and femicide on our own, to say that the department is working very closely with other departments. As to that issue also, we, we know that we've got the executive commitment, and the, 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 the president already formed the IMC on gender-based violence and femicide, recall the presidential summit that took place, um, the National Council on GBV, GBV Declaration, um, the GBV and Femicide Declaration National Strategic Plan, and the National Council on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide Implementation Roadmap. I'm raising these issues simply to say, while we are presenting our own plan with regard what, to what we are supposed to do specifically to our mandate as a department, we cannot work in isolation of all the other departments that are supposed to assist us uh, in this. And in particular, what Connie spoke to with regard to the GBV centers and shelters, we're working well with the, the Minister of Public Works, who's shown us uh, buildings that Connie was speaking to. Ours, uh, we are just being delayed because we were in a hurry to renovate the places. But of course, the other issue is that of the, of the budget. And lastly, Chairperson, to also indicate that the National Council on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide will soon call for nominations for the National Council on Gender-Based um, uh, Violence and Femicide. So I'm just saying to members, it will be important to mobilize the ones that you know, that are activists, that have the capacity, capability, and the experience in this area to look out for the call for the nominations, which will be coming out soon. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Minister. Uh, I am advised that the next presentation is supposed to start. Which is, am I correct, uh, Honorable Stock? Is it about the update on the COVID? Uh, Honorable Stock.
Yes, Honorable Chair. Uh, we're supposed first to deal with the, we're first supposed to deal with the and take the questions members would like to raise on this presentation. And once we have clarified it, then we'll move to the next presentation. Okay. I see that then I've got I think because the, the secretary was advising me that you agreed that you'll put all the presentations each after the other and then deal with them. Chairperson? Yes. Honorable um, I, I think we I think we the, the agenda reads that we take the first presentation, then the second presentation, and then interact with both presentations. That's what I recall from the agenda that we adopted. Okay, okay. Can we do, let, if members are okay with that, can we the second presentation is the last presentation, am I right? Yes, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, can we then, can the department go to the second presentation? Because that's how I saw it in the agenda, myself. Yeah, excuse me, Chairperson. I, 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 may I, maybe I missed the point, point of the adoption. The one thing that I would not want us to do in, uh, with due respect is to lose sight of this presentation and be clouded by the other issues. Those are two separate issues. Um, I really would have wanted us to have a bit of a focus on this first presentation and then go to the next, the pre that presentation after, so that we don't cloud issues. I think I understand you, Minister. It's a very, very important point. Yes. Uh, honorable members, can we handle this clarity seeking, whatever MPs are, members are going to say? I've got the list of. Uh, if members, I can read the list. I've got Fondamelwe, Honorable Abrams, Honorable Nguenya, uh, Honorable Iris, Honorable Mvana. Am I missing any other name? That is a chairperson. Thank you. That is all. Marcel, is that all? Yes, Chairperson, that is all the names for questions. Thank you. For now. Thank you. It's questions, it's questions and comments, Honourable Members. Honourable Fanmeva. Oh, um, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honourable Minister, and to your team. Um, I think we do really value this opportunity to interact with your team on this very important presentation. Um, I would also, as I've uh, shared with you before, I think the work that you have done so far with the Department of Public Works has been very commendable. Um, so let me get straight into some of my questions. On slide 12, we speak about the 50 million rand budget that was made available as part of the emergency response plan uh, to NGOs. But I recall initially 200 million was budgeted or mentioned. So what happened to the other 150 million rand, if I recall correctly? And we now speak on that slide that 169 NGOs have been identified. Um, but does this mean that we haven't transferred any money to NGOs as yet? Um, because there's a mention that due to the uh, COVID-19 lockdown, verification of these NGOs could not be done. But then, for example, the question arises, what about shelters that were open during this period and would have needed some assistance? Why could they not have been verified during this time? On the issue of your command center, your gender-based violence call center, um, it has come to light that the gender-based violence call center doesn't have effective referral pathways uh, in place in all provinces. And I would like to know how this will be addressed. Um, again, um, the issue of the 
data in the presentation. We have highlighted this before. Um, instead of just showing us how many cases were referred, I think we would also like to know how many of those cases, how many women have been helped successfully. In other words, what is the success rate of this uh, call center? Does the department, for example, have a tracking and monitoring system in place uh, to ensure that cases are followed up and followed through um, so that it's not just the number, so that it's not just we received the call, we referred, but what next? Um, and again, you know, I would like to say that, you know, much more, as much as I know that the number is being publicized, much more can be done um, to, to make sure that South Africans are aware of this call center and, and, and its value to society. For example, recently when I visited Taiwan, all of the children at school in Taiwan um, is aware of their gender-based violence call center number. They all know it off heart. And I would really like to see a situation where we get to a point where every child and, and every woman in need knows that number off heart. Um, I would like to just move to COVID-19. And we received reports, for example, that during the lockdown, many women who went to SAPS um, to report cases were not being helped. Um, there's one case, for example, where a commander refused to offer transport to a victim of gender-based violence to a shelter. He said it wasn't his problem and that the person must look for help elsewhere. So when we speak about collaborative efforts between the department and other, and other departments, what type of understanding do you have with the Minister of Police to ensure that they, as the police, police officers and, and officers, understand their role and their responsibilities in the fight against gender-based violence? Lastly, Chairperson, I want to speak about shelters. Um, and I think it's important for us to recognize the important work being done by shelters. Um, you know, they, they, they provide vital services for, for women and children. But that being said, I'm quite concerned to receive reports that many shelters have not received their stipends from provincial DSD. In the Eastern Cape, for example, um, apparently no, no shelters have received any funding for this financial year. Um, and I would like to know whether the department is aware of this, um, whether, you know, because of course we can't have that during a, a pandemic uh, where women are at, at greater danger, women and children are at greater danger that shelters could possibly close down because they don't have access to funding. So, okay. really, Chairperson, I'm wrapping up, but I think okay. really we need, we need to prioritize the funding of shelters. We need to make sure that it's streamlined across the provinces because we know that disparities uh, persist. Um, on the issue of um, social workers, uh, we welcome the intervention for the 200 that have been in, uh, employed. But again, I would like to ask the Minister, what has been the discussions or ongoing discussions at Cabinet level in terms of getting Treasury to understand the need for social workers to be employed across various departments, whether it's higher education, for, for extra funding to be made available so that we can uh, um, insource more social workers to ultimately help us in this fight against gender-based violence. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honorable uh, Fadamewe. I forgot something very courteous, which is very important. Honorable Stock, I must thank you very much for holding on the fort until I was out of crisis. Uh, Honorable Abrams? Uh, thank you, Chair, and um, thank you for the presentation made by the department. Um, my, my questions are as follows. Um, once again, also asking about whether or not there is a measurement tool to determine whether or not the awareness campaigns and workshops for the period October to March have worked. For example, the campaigns that were undertaken on universities. Is there a tool where we saw that for that age group of um, women, were there an increase in... Um, 
reports or were there a decrease? Did it remain the, check, the same? Because that would, of course, guide us as to whether the campaigns and the workshops are actually working. And then also on the issue of the 200 GBV social workers. So I'll just like the um, department to maybe clarify what the terms of the contract was, because I heard they were on a four-month contract. And if that's, this, if that's the case, if it was a four-month contract, what is the status of the employment now as we speak in June? And then also, if it is a short-term contract, and they first undergo training, and they say training is two weeks, then they need to be orientated, then they need to be the, get their tools of trade. How much of their contract is actually being spent in the field making an impactful difference in GBV before that contract expires? And while I welcome that um, 200 posts have been approved to be filled permanently, it's important that we do this, I think my question would be then, when are they going to be employed on a permanent basis? Um, and then on the issue of um, um, another suggestion to present on, I'd also like, I'd be interested to know sometimes the nature of the calls that are received at the command centre and which of these calls involve immediate police response. And also, what is the what is the um, the response stats um, of the police in getting to the victim's home, etc.? And where calls are being repeated, that's a repeat caller. What interventions are being made for repeat callers who are phoning into the command base centre? And then, just lastly, um, chair on the issue of the shelters, and um, it is really, really awesome. And exciting to see that there are um, new shelters um, for um, abuse, for women abuse. But my question then is, um, have these new shelters been factored into um, the operational cost for 2021? Have it, has it been included in the budget? For example, has a social worker been budgeted for, for each of these new facilities? And also lastly, Chair, what progress are we making um, with increasing the shelter subsidies? Because currently it is still 49 and a 50 rand per day per bed, while the perpetrator sits in prison at a 390 rand a day. Um, so that's just, um, and then lastly, one, one more question, um, Chair, that um, I just need to ask. Um, with regards to the CDA board, um, and as we know that substance abuse and gender-based violence, you know, sometimes go hand in hand. Where are we on the appointment of the new CDA board? Because I believe they also have a role to play when it comes to gender-based violence um, in terms of substance abuse in the home. Thanks, Jay. We can't hear you, Chair. Honorable Abraham, thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Aris. It's Nguenya. Oh, Nguenya, sorry. <laughs> it's not my day. I'm going to Thank uh, you, Chairman. Please go and thank you for the opportunity, and thank you very much for the 
presentation um firstly i would also like to and thank you chair for allowing us to really ask our questions as much as possible in this matter because we do need this time um i would also firstly like to ask my question on based on slide seven on the cbc programs uh, the ones on the individual level the Zazi and the YOLO and them, especially the ones for young women uh, around the ages of, of 15 to 24. Uh, I just want to know in detail what, what really takes place in these programs and how many young women actually take part in these programs and what are the outcomes for these women? Uh, how have these programs changed uh, their lives at that age? And also, would also like to find out about the, the, the men championing uh, programs because I feel it's, it's a very, very good thing and it's commendable that we have men that are willing to take part and challenge other men uh, in terms of gender-based violence and, and, and child abuse. Now, I want to understand that since that there has been... <coughs> The, the men's parliament, the district parliament, uh, I see, and they have been taking place for quite some time since last year. Uh, what is the process of ensuring that the community at large knows about these district parliaments? Because I, for one, did not know about them. And how, uh, how, where are these men coming from? Who are these men? And how have they been uh, taken into being part of the district men's parliament because I think we would like to have more men involved in this and more men taking part in, in these kind of things. So I think it would be very much uh, recommendable uh, to the to the department that when such events take place, including the, the, the boys' assemblies, when such events takes place, can it be known to the communities, it, it, it must be known to as much people as possible that even if we are not taking place in this program physically, but they are able to listen or to watch and to know what is happening and learn from these programs as well. Uh, in terms of uh, the victims, the, the GBV uh, shelters, okay, firstly, there's, uh, I would like to find out on the School of Industry that has been mentioned on slide 21. And I know for a fact this is not the first time I asked this question. I just want to know uh, where are these uh, School of Industry? How can one access these schools of industry? And who is, is eligible to be part of this school's industry? If we can have that, that information. Uh, as well. On the issue of the GBV command center and the calls uh, that are GBV related, firstly, I would, I really think that 1,407 is quite a huge number of women that are faced with, 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 with kind of domestic violence and, and gender-based violence, and we know for a fact that there is more out there. So I would like to emphasize on what my colleague has said, that let this number be known. 
let this number be posted in, in police stations and clinics everywhere possible where we could have this number at hand whenever we, we, the, the, the women need it. And my interest mainly is is is, is the interventions thereof, you know, uh, how many cases were, were reported to Serbs, how many women had to be removed from that environment immediately and what was done at that point. So mainly that is that is our, our interest really in, the, in, in what the GBV command center is doing. And on the shelters, uh, thank you very much as well, DSD, for taking this upon yourself, the, the, the partnership with Public Works. I think it will really help with the situation of shelters. I just need to find out your time frames, especially with shelters around uh, the West Rand, the Carltonville, the Randfontein, Azadville, Western area, because I do not see them in the list of where the job has started with the renovations and all of that. Uh, when do you envisage these shelters uh, beginning to work and accommodating these women who, who are in desperate need? I know for a fact that they are needed so much around the West Rand district. Um, I also needed to find out on the 50 million rand allocation. Uh, uh, HGBV, uh, that it's my last question, chair. It's my last question, chair. I promise. <laughs> I just want to find out, chair, that I promise it's my very last. Uh, in, in the issue of the okay, let me skip it then because I think Honorable Fandomeva has has made justice to that. Can I ask on the social workers now? I just want to know that the two hundred social workers that were trained, uh, how many per province out of the two hundred social workers? How many are placed per province, and where are they operating from exactly? And is there any uh, a number of of uh, disabled social workers out of the 200 that we can get of who are, have been taken as the 200. Uh, I think others then I will do them in writing. Well done, well done. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. I think most of my questions have been covered. It is just one observation that I would like to make. I just want to find out, I have noted on that slide 18, of the means funds and there, there was a number of in a number of provinces this program was this intervention was done. However, I have noted that specifically the Western Cape. I don't see that there was any of that intervention interventions in the Western Cape. Bear in mind that the Western Cape are very much known for drugs, gangsterism, GBV and and etc. So I just want to know why is it that they are, because I have noted that it's only seven provinces that uh, that intervention was made, and why is it that other provinces was, um, you know, that intervention was not made in other provinces. Then in terms of, I have written an article here that is somewhere in Johannesburg, these some of the shelters that did close during this lockdown period due to the fact that they are afraid of the breakout of COVID-19. I just want to find out what is the department's position on these shelters uh, because now they have asked the victims, you know, to get um, for themselves some shelter with family and friends. And I just would like to know what's the position, what's the department's position on these shelters during this time. 
Thank you, Honorable Aris. If everyone can follow you, we can be superstars. Honorable Mbana? Thanks, Paul. Uh, great disaster. Uh, thanks, uh, The first thing I would like to say is to come. Hello? The first thing yes, I would like hear you. to say is, is, is to commend the 200 social workers that are going to be um, permanent instead of um, on contractual basis. So the, there is this thing, you know, that I think a social development needs to do, the partnering with justice and also with uh, SAPS, that is the Minister of Police. Because if you go around, out of all what they have done, which is wonderful, the door, the white door houses, the Tutu Zela centers, all these uh, NGOs that they have established, nationally they are doing very well, I can say so. But provincial, I don't think uh, they are doing as we are expecting them to do. Can they strengthen the provinces, trying to show them that it is very critical for these uh, uh, institutions that have been built? At the end of the day, they are not uh, uh, white elephants. Because what is going to happen, as we want the numbers right now, we know that November is just next door. We will be running around wanting the numbers from the police stations, each and every province. So if we can be told that how many cases can we say at least they have been uh, uh, successful in terms of, of finalized, I will put it that way to be finalized. Because most of the cases in the in the dealing with the gender-based violence, they are not finalized. And what we have said we said it's better for the police stations to have people that are trained, especially females. It's not easy for a person who's abused in a domestic violence to explain to another female or male to tell him about what has happened to her. So we requested that long before, but I know for a fact that it's not their mm-hmm. on their jurisdiction, but if they can partner with the, 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 the Minister of SAPS, because in most of the police stations, they complain about the shortage of police that are trained to deal with these cases, the one of the gender-based violence. The last one, we once requested that at least each police station must have someone trained in a sign language and also in a a trained for people that are able okay that have a difficulty to hear or or deaf i will say so but that hasn't happened people that are unable to express themselves are struggling and suffering also there's this thing of kids you know, I haven't managed to attend a case where kids are abused and, and, and are able 
to, to, to put the statement. What I always hear is that all the cases, most of them, the ones that are, 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 are for, kids, for the kids, because kids are unable to explain for themselves. If they can train, even if they have social workers who sometimes go to those cases and work hand in glove with justice, so that Abandu Banga be abused also, Banga Kwazu expressa, and the last day, Mdu Kuchi with Ejele because there is no evidence. Thanks, sir. Gosimama Mamanganye, we are getting troubled by time. Mamanganye? Hello, Chair. Yes, I can hear you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I think Honorable Vanna have said a lot that I wanted to say, but I was I wanted to commend the department about the shelter. And then what I would like to see is that the shelters we must make sure that it reach also the rural area. I'm from the, 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 the rural area. Where I stay, I think it's only far at Mohwasa where they have. But all these NGOs that used to have those uh, shelter, they have run short of money. Now they are no longer able to can, uh, run their, their, their shelter. So I was thinking maybe uh, the department to investigate through the, the social worker to see how many are there in each and every province. Uh, I, I'm relating this because uh, this month around my area, there are nine partners that have killed each other. So it means... If we've got those two to Zella, if I felt uh, I, enough is enough, I will run to those two to Zella to get help. I think the, the, the ideas of those two to Zella to be revived, the others that they were there before, I think this will assist a lot. Thank you very much. Can we, can we give you 15 minutes response? Okay. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much, Professor. And uh, my sincere apologies for coming in a little late. I had serious technical challenges. Safana! Uh, <laughs> Safana, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the food industrial revolution is, is, is upon us to move with the times quite quickly. But thank you, Chair. I'm using a different device to engage on my phone. So I hope I'm audible enough and I'm able to... to no, to you're speak. audible. You've got time until 25 to. Thank you. I won't spend... A, in fact, let me allow Connie to respond to some of the issues. I will come in after her to then um, make some comments. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. 
for the valuable contributions and the questions. Um, I will um, try to answer some and some will put in writing where statistical information is required. But I think I need to start with the one for the CDA board, just to indicate to the committee that with that one we are awaiting to be guided by the committee because all the documentation submitted to the committee for it to finalize the appointment of CDA board. That's one. Then and the other one of social workers, because it was coming from uh, most members, we have 200 social workers that were appointed on contract linked to the emergency plan. I indicated when I presented that uh, now they are on month to month while the appointment process of permanent basis is being finalized, which was, by the way, interrupted by the lockdown itself, because this process was done in March. In terms of numbers, 30 were allocated in Houghton, Western Cape, KZN, and Eastern Cape. Then 20 were for Free State, Mpumalang, and Northern Cape. So in terms of time frames as to when are they all going to be permanent, provinces are at different levels because now this process is being done at a provincial level. If I come to the issue of NGOs, there was also a lot of questions around NGOs support in terms of funding. Yes, I did indicate that um, with the process of advertising and uh, recruitment that was done through NDA, they finally uh, shortlisted 169 to be prioritized for funding. But the verification processes I indicated when I presented was interrupted also by lockdown. I even indicated that in level four, uh, GBV uh, services were included as essential service. Hence now, they started working NDA to ensure that they verify because they don't want to pay NGOs that they don't know. So now they report I got is that they almost at the verge of payment of first tranche by next week and then they also go to the next batch of other organizations that are doing prevention. By the way, the 169 includes shelters and those that provide counseling. And then the next batch will be an additional number that I will speak to once they finalize the process in terms of prevention and awareness. Now, um, there was also a question that shelters were not paid during lockdown. Once we did that national, we issued a circular to provinces to ask them to continue paying subsidies for shelters for gender-based violence. We will follow up because as far as we know, the, the subsidies were continuing. If there are specific cases, we will have to follow up on those to be able to make sure that shelters are not disadvantaged because we wanted uh, shelters to run so that women and children can find refuge when they are violated during lockdown. To add to that, there are also pathways, referral pathways, that we came up with during lockdown, for instance, to ensure that we support uh, women who are violated during lockdown because it was difficult for them to report cases. So the pathways were basically saying, how can you use your phone? to inform the relevant authorities for them to be able to assist you or to even reach the GBVCC number. Members will remember that this number is geo, has got a geolocation. So when you call, already they are able to see where you're calling from. And 
within the command center, they know what facilities, what police station is there near you, what white doors, safe spaces are there, what shelters are there, so that they can even refer you properly. Where they realize that when you speak, you are in such a danger. There's a linkage with 10111 around Gauteng where they can link you with 10111 so that police can intervene. But as members said, this is an area that needs to be strengthened with the police because not all provinces are linked with 10111 as I speak, but Gauteng for sure, they are linked uh, in terms of 10111. Referral cases, we do have a referral system that links with the districts. Remember, when we started the command center, we also trained district social workers that will follow up cases because what happens at the command center, they provide online counseling on the spot. But there are cases where they need further follow-up. Those are the ones that are sent to provinces. And at the command center, it written ticket is still open. So if the ticket remain open, they don't close the file until they get a report back from the province or district that says this is how the case was dealt with, this is what the follow-up we're doing, and then for your side as a command center, you can close it. Then they close it. Before they get there, they don't. They keep on following. And it's an area that we must keep on improving, honorable members. It is not as perfect as we want it to be. There's still some gaps in some of the districts. We are having uh, excellent feedback from provinces in, in, in five of them, but others are not really uh, on board, and we are working towards making sure that we assist them and support them. The others were comments. I'm not sure if I left. There was one final one on the budget that uh, there was 200 million. There was no 200 million. It was only 200 social workers. There were there was 110. I can't remember the exact figure. Million, but it was not 200, which was for for tools of trade for these 200 social workers and also appointment of the 200 social workers and also funding of the civil society organisations. And um, we can provide proof on that. It was not 200 uh, million that was reprioritised. I think I can stop there and uh, I will provide a written um, a response on the MNE and the impact of the men championing change and the boys' assemblies. I think that needs a written uh, response that I will provide within a week on a chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair. I note we still have some time, so um, I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity and just say a few things. Maybe firstly to highlight um, that an issue that really didn't come up much in the discussion was around the fact that um, uh, we're actually strengthening our, our, our preventative programs as it relates to GBV to also include programs related to um, uh, uh, families, uh, anti-substance abuse programs, uh, programs on gender and sexuality, uh, including sexual and reproductive health-related matters, as well as programs related to LGBTQI+. Uh, plus. Um, uh, we're doing all of this, um, and we're working with the Department of Education as well um, in terms of career uh, curriculum development uh, at school level, uh, both at primary and at high school levels, also to deal with issues related to bullying, etc., because there's a close link and correlation between these um, and uh, gender-based violence. 
Uh, you'll also note from the presentation that there's a very specific and direct focus on programs relating to men and boys. Um, there's a lot of focus um, out there um, uh, with regards to programs relating to um, uh, uh, largely for, for, for women um, and the girl child. Um, it's important that we also pay much attention and we've been doing such um, to uh, men and boys. Um, and then I also thought that it's important that we we highlight um, that um, we are in the process of upscaling our communication as it relates to communicate uh, as it relates to the programs that uh, we presented this evening. Uh, and uh, the minister I know has been calling on MECs to really uh, be visible in uh, mainline media to ensure that uh, uh, the work that we do, the great work that we are doing, as you can tell by the presentation, um, is actually uh, well known and uh, goes out in all mediums um, to the length and breadth, of course, of our country. Lastly, Chair, I think what's happening is um, you will note that, um, that the number, some of the lessons we are learning with regards to COVID um, is really around the capacity of the state. And um, uh, some of the honorable members that raised the issues around uh, in the employment of additional social workers and so on and so forth. Now, we know that COVID is impacting quite negatively on, uh, um, uh, the, uh, on jobs, and so um, the unemployment rate is rising by the day, actually. So um, uh, you will also note that, um, so, so, so this is actually an opportunity that we need to utilize uh, and see how best we can begin to, uh, to, to get um, uh, additional labor. Now, Thank you, Linton. Uh, I've got, Chair, I've got 10 more minutes, five more minutes. Sorry. No, no, no. Maybe the last Let's thing is that minister. we'll know, Chair, that during, uh, at most, budget vote speeches of ministers of social development, at least those <laughs> you, that I've listened to. You were prepared to, to give up that time, Linton. Sorry, you Chair? Prepared. When you don't need time, don't force it. If you don't need it, don't force it. It means the meeting can be finished earlier. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't commit crime. Okay. Unless no. you want to proceed, proceed if you want it. And, uh, no, no, thanks, Chair. Maybe I was just going to say that in most budgets, vote speeches of ministers of social development, you hear constant trend, which is largely that they are between 5,000 and 7,000 unemployed social worker graduates. Um, that's a constant trend uh, in, in most budget votes. Now, what COVID is doing is actually giving us an opportunity to be able to employ these social workers, not just social workers, but also community development practitioners, uh, child and youth care workers, etc. And we're going to be doing a lot of that, and you'll be seeing a bit of progress in that regard. Um, in some cases, it will be permanent. In some cases, it won't be permanent. But I'm just saying that this is an opportunity um, that uh, is being presented to us uh, to be able to, to, to upscale or increase our labor force. But of course, the challenge will always be the financial implications related to this, and we are in discussions with Treasury on how best we can approach this. Thank you, Chair. I know I still have eight minutes on the slides. Thank you. Thank you. Minister, anything? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Of course, it's, it's to thank the members for the, the kind comments, one, but also the very... Um, serious and strategic questions that they are posing 
And uh, as uh, DDG Kony did say, some of the answers that we need to give, we have to give in writing in terms of the statistics and all. And especially with regard to the issue of gender-based violence, in particular in this period of COVID, one of the things that I have, I have said we should do, uh, both the Command Council uh, as well as the National Net Joints, um, we, when we do the evaluation of threat analysis and other things, I have, I have insisted that um, including into the discussion about red hotspots uh, in particular for our services and, and that particular of gender-based violence and other issues, it's something that we need to uh, report on all the time, but it's not about reporting, it's about what we're going to do about it. There was that question particularly about the issue of the budget for the new um, centers that have been handed over to us by the Department of Public Works. Yes, we, 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 we struggle in relation to budget in, in, in general, but I think that we do have an opportunity to also to go out there and have conversations with other um, uh, people that are willing to support and assist us in this because it's always a question of also partnering. This whole issue of gender-based violence, I, I keep insisting it's something that we need to collectively deal with at all levels of society. The issue of social workers uh, in particular, um, I, I, I think that uh, uh, our responsibility of engaging with Treasury, the, mere fact, the fact that we've gotten to where we are now is a, a step in the right direction, but it's not adequate, it's not enough in my view, because I believe that in order for us to deal with the societal ills, which includes uh, gender-based violence, we need to have much, much more the numbers of social workers so that social workers can be able to tell us street by street, community by community, what is it that we, we need to do. We need to have them on the streets. Uh, you remember one time I said, uh, former Minister of Police, Balula, Minister Balula said, it's important for us to have more social workers on the streets than well, even the police running around. So, so I, I think that uh, what we have said, we will send as answers. We will, we will send in writing. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Minister. Uh, I hope the this I, the, the next presentation should not take more than five minutes. Am I right, Minister? Yeah. Thank you, Chair. I'll ask uh, the ADG and, 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 and the CEO. I think, oh, yeah, the CEO is here. I would I'd rather I ask the CEO to go directly to it. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Members. I will take, indeed, uh, five minutes. Uh, the first slide is a slide that we presented in the past, just highlighting that we paid million beneficiaries, which is the number that we're paying for this cycle, and uh, the beneficiaries are 12.2 million, whilst the, the um, amount of money we're paying is 20, 20 billion, which is an increase uh, from, from the, the previous amounts that we used to pay by another 5 billion. Can you go to the next uh, slide, Tabani? Uh, Tabani, can you go to the next slide? Uh, why the, the number for May and for June 
is is different is that for May, uh, as the honourable members may remember, is that for May in terms of the child uh, support grants, we actually paid 300 rands a child. Yet from June, we actually start paying uh, the 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 caregiver rather than per child. That's why there's a a decrease from 9.4 billion to 9.2 billion. The amount uh, then changes from 20.3 billion to 20 uh, billion uh, overall. Thank you very much. Next slide, Taban. This I thought was important just to highlight, uh, which is a slide that we had indicated before, that uh, having uh, cleaned up all our database, which had come from uh, 13 million applications that we had for the COVID uh, um, uh, SRD. We ultimately ended up with 6.4 uh, 6, uh, uh, 6 million uh, applications. And as we went through the validation uh, in terms of cleaning up the database to make sure that there's no double dipping, we ended up having to exclude from the initial process 2.4 million people. Later on, after having sent the database to SARS, uh, excluded yet another 667 uh, people. So. In terms of the, the approved uh, uh, validation that we completed, we are phone in meeting in unfortunately. We phone back. Okay. Minister, can you please mute? In a meeting, man. Please mute, Minister. Thank you, Minister. So the ultimate number that we have is 3.1 million people. Uh, that is uh, prior to getting the, the, the numbers that have taped down uh, that are beginning to come. So of that uh, 3.1 million, the 1.6 million are the numbers that we had last week with us having uh, taken the 666 through the banking process and a number of them we've already paid, uh, which we paid through last week, and the others are going through validation. Uh, can you go through to the next slide, Taban? So just to highlight that uh, there's basically three processes that we use for us to pay the one process is for us to go through the banking process, which is a long process. And as a result, we adopted another uh, additional two uh, processes which, as part of our risk ad uh, adjusted approach to make sure that we deliver on this particular grant. The second process is for us to pay cash. The third process is for us to use e-wallet. And what, what we're excited to indicate to the portfolio committee is that next week another million people whom we are going to be paying using cash and uh, we have also the banks on board and from the 15th we are going to be using the banks also to pay using e-wallet which will uh, let us get to the numbers that we want to get to in terms of the current uh, uh, people that we already have as we continue to process uh, the other numbers that are coming through. I thought I should highlight that honorable uh, chair uh, uh, and colleagues very much ma'am. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are you done? Yes, I'm done, sir. But the major question, so you've done your presentation. Can you tell the committee for 350, how many people have been verified thus far? 
who are due for payment, irrespective from May or from June or whatever. That's the total to date. It's, it's the number of people that we went through our process, they started uh, from a number of 13 million people, of course. No, no, no. Many so, of so, simplify your answer. Okay. To date, how many people verification who are due for payment? It's 3.1 million, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Minister, do you want to say anything so that we go to members? I think it's better you go to members, Chair, so that we clarify if there's issues that uh, the CEO is covered. I was going to raise that issue of the specific number of those we are we are ready to roll with. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Honorable Minister. I have not been given a list of people who are going to speak here. Marcel, have you sent them? Honorable Honorable Abrams, in that in that in that uh, in that uh, sequence, can we do not more than three minutes? No, I'm going to be very quick. Mind? If you don't mind, do you don't mind? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to shock you. I'm going to be very quick, chairperson. So it's fine. <laughs> I wanted to ask. I wanted to say thank you to the minister and to the CEO again. Um, I just quickly wanted to ask the 3.1 million. Um, anticipated time frames by which we would have paid all 3.1 million. I, I, I understand that there's processes, banking processes, cash sends. What happened? She's frozen. Yes. <clears throat> Can you take the podium at the moment? Okay, thank you, Chair, and thank you for the presentation. Chair, I've just got um, two um, COVID-related queries. Um, so the first one, Chair, I mean, COVID-19 and the lockdown and everything has been declared a humanitarian crisis, and human beings globally are affected. But now we have a situation where we have undocumented foreign nationals and then you, me, and, and everybody else. So my question is, Chairs, what is the department doing to feed undocumented foreign nationals who are our African brothers, our sisters, who are human beings who also, as a result of lockdown, are not working? Because even though they're undocumented, they are in the hotel sector, they're in the restaurant sector, they're in the beauty sector, they are domestic workers too. And now they are not not working. And then, Chair, just my second and last question is that, in light of the the recent High Court ruling um, and the lockdown regulations, I want to know how does this now affect um, the social di social development directives? And also, in light of that, I want to ask the minister if she will reconsider her decision um, to allow the privately owned registered ECDs who are COVID-19 ready to open, if she will reconsider that, and if not, to please explain in detail why, with reasons why not. Thanks, Chair. Uh, no, no, just a second. Honorable Abrams, whilst one appreciate your, your, just, your, your concern for justice, do you accept that people who are not registered are illegally in South Africa? 
I acknowledge that they are illegal. That's but I, that's why I didn't use the word. I used undocumented. No, no, I wanted. I wanted to. No, no, I wanted to to know that. I I do I, 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 I do acknowledge I that. I acknowledge that. I appreciate your concern is human. There's no debate about it. But I thought it is important that human concern should also take this one into account. Honorable Vanu. Chairperson, I'm back. Just... Uh, all right. Wrap up, uh, Honorable Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Sorry, Honorable Minister and Chairperson. We're, we're not going to blame you for those things. Proceed. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I hope my questions have not been asked. But um, I wanted to just quickly ask the time frames and um, you know for how long it will take for us to be able to pay all 3.1 million for them to be able to receive their first payments. I would like to know um, what, and this is for the department um, and for SASA, but how much have we budgeted or has the department budgeted for the rollout of this new grant? I wanted to ask in terms of personal protective equipment at SASA offices, I've received reports that many offices don't have PPEs, gloves, sanitizers, masks and screens um, to be able to protect both people visiting the offices but also the officials. So can we get an update on that? Um, I would like to know how many food parcels are we still delivering um, per week, uh, per province, if we can have that data, because I know that we would like to move to, to a place where we, we move away from food parcels to vouchers. So maybe just an up, update um, in terms of what progress we've made in, in that regard, Chairperson. And I'll leave it at that. I was very short. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Honorable Vanna. Chair, I would like to get the information in terms of the granting aid. Is it still acceptable for people to apply for that granting aid out of the what is it, the unemployment grant that they are getting 350? Should they apply first or should they get the 350 and then apply later on? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Vana. Honorable Stock. Thank you. Thank you very much. Honorable Stock, Honorable Members, is the last. Uh, <clears throat> Who is crying? Honorable Stock. Okay. Well, I, I deal with the list in front of me, Honorable Members. No, no, I've got, yes, I've got those names, ma. Don't worry, fine. Honorable Spock, take your, your one or two minutes. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Just two quick issues, uh, which I need to find out from the department, is that uh, before the court ruling of the High Court around uh, Level 3 and Level 4 regulations, uh, the department had released the final regulations for food distribution, which deals with coordination, balanced nutrition and all of that, which were going to assist us. So I would like to know, uh, how does this court ruling uh, affect uh, the department in its rollout of their work? And then what is going to happen? But I've also noted earlier on a statement from the special cabinet which says the, the ruling is going, to be, uh, is going to be appealed by government, which is a very good thing. But I just wanted the minister to take us through in that regard. And then the second thing, Honorable Chairperson, I want to know, from Sasa, 
Metodzi Memela, I know you are doing a very good job and uh, you are also working uh, overtime to render the service and make sure that the people get the grants uh, which are deservedly in need of such grants. But I want to find if there's a person, for an example, an ordinary person has applied for an SRD grant, but this person has actually applied late. But the reason why this person applied late is because of maybe one or two reasons. This person was not exposed to internet, did not have the proper facilities to make the application. Now, after a month, this person gets access to such facilities, submit the application, and then the application has been approved. What is going to happen to the month that has passed. Are you going to pay that month in retrospective or you are going to punish this person and say you did not apply so we are going to pay you for the next month, the second month onwards or what is going to happen? If you can clarify me that is that. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. I have... Uh, listened to the presentation on SASA and the progress that has been made. My only request and plea, as I did at the last meeting, is that the stages of the application seem to be so complicated for various people. Be please communicated to the people that are applying. If I can, within the time I have, to just give an example, people know that they must check the status of their applications. And then it just says pending. People don't know what that means to them. It doesn't know. It doesn't say whether nobody know yet whether they are approved or not. I am pleading for communication in this regard because the 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 the, the, law, the time that it has taken seems like there's nothing that is being done. When obviously the CEO has just presented and shows that there are many stages that this application I would like to ask, share just some communication, please. And if that communication can be shared with the portfolio committee members so that we can share as widely as possible. Thank you. Going. Going. Oh, you are there. Come in. down. Take the stage. I've got one question. Yeah. I want okay. to know. Uh, I want to know about the process of the verification of the applicant of 350, how long does it take? And also, I'm not sure because I have joined in. I want to ask the department, how do they conduct the, the referrals and also counseling? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chair, just one question, two. I just want to find out if the, the 
if the SASA offices, if the staff at in SASA offices are back, all of them yet. And the second question would be, which areas or provinces have gone into uh, giving food vouchers altogether and had stopped giving food parcels? Thank you, Chair. Honorable Aris. Thank you, Chair. Now I'm covered, Chair, with the question that I want to ask. That was on the uh, 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 staff of the Sasa offices. And I want to know how, if there is um, staff members or, of Sasa that was tested positive, how was that situation? Is, is that officer still reasoning service to um, our people, or what is the situation there? In this as staff members that is this COVID-19. Thank you, Honorable Aris. I give the department seven minutes to respond. CEO, could you please start? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Chair. Thank you very much, Chair. Minister. I wanted to just get clarity in terms of, I suppose we'll deal with the issue of the budget together, but we have a current allocated budget that we are working on. The minister is engaging with other stakeholders uh, as we actually uh, find the numbers, because initially we didn't know what numbers we actually will have going forward. The current budget that we have is $3.4 with the minister after having uh, us having understood as to what numbers do we have, uh, will engage with the other stakeholders to see as to what needs to be done. So that's on the issue of the budget. On the issue of um, of uh, the process that we're going to use and how long it's going to take for us to uh, begin to put the people on the system, is that what we've, we've, we've recognized is that going through the banking process takes quite a long time. But what needs to be understood is that initially we had to set up the systems systems that didn't exist. So that's what took the first two to three weeks. That's why it's easier for now to start paying. And because we're using different processes to pay, and the banking process is what we have currently for the 1.6 million people. And we're going to use cash and we're going to also use e-wallet. And on the e-wallet and cash send and all the other processes for the different banks, banks were only able to start uh, uh, helping us with the payment only from the 15th, which therefore means that the money side will only start on the 15th. And we will, uh, uh, for the future, look at how do we actually implement the voucher. So that is what we will continue to explore after we've started uh, uh, with this payment. So, so on Honorable Lizelle, what we're hoping uh, to do is to make sure that by end of June, we would have uh, uh, paid the bulk of the people that we currently have that would have come in May, uh, depending on what, what other people actually come uh, uh, in the future. We don't know what numbers will come in. But what we've noted is the numbers have actually come down. Uh, I think Diane uh, uh, can talk to what, what are we receiving on a daily basis, like First, we are receiving millions of applications per week, so they are coming down. On the issue of what happens when people apply later, in terms of the current regulations, the clarity that was indicated was that anybody that would have applied in May, even if we start paying you in June, we will pay you for May, 
and, and pay you going forward. But if you come, for an example, and you apply in August, we'll only start paying you in August. Uh, we had agreed to what you call uh, the regulations. On the issue of communication, I do agree, uh, Honorable Masango, I think we'll do better. Even though uh, people are able to verify from the system, I think it's more because they may not necessarily understand what it means and will put out the communication and send it to all, all, all the members. On the issue of the staff being back, uh, as we know that we need to make sure that, uh, and, and I think that the, the regions will also clarify on the, on the issues that relate to how many branches have been affected and how are we dealing with those. We need to make sure that there's sufficient spacing and that's what we've had to deal with in the different, make sure that uh, there's an observation of, uh, of, uh, of, of, so, of social distancing. So all the staff are back, but they may not necessarily all be back in one at a given time, depending on how big or how small the office is. But everybody is back at work, even though they may be deployed in different responsibilities to make sure that social distancing is, is observed. On the issue of food parcels, I could ask Diane to indicate where we are, or we'll actually uh, give a report. I don't know where we are with all the different branches and regions. What we had indicated was that as soon as we start rolling this process, we're going to have to stop with the food parcels that we have. But those people that were already in the pipeline that are already being serviced will continue with the food parcels. And, okay. and, and the sooner we combine the process, the better, because uh, uh, people will, will then start uh, feeling that we're actually applying uh, two different rules. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you. On to a very quick issue. I know there's two minutes left. I apologize. Um, we've got the issue okay. of the directions related. The issue of the directions related to food distribution. Um, it's important to note that we are at a very advanced stage in the in, in the in the in terms of issuing the directions. We have consulted widely, including provinces, um, and uh, we're actually ready to do so. But because of the court case that is, of course, underway, um, NetJoint is currently seized with that. Um, and uh, until we get the guidance on how we move on that, we will then proceed further. But uh, we, are, we are advanced. Uh, we are actually ready to, 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 to process those. Um, then maybe, um, lastly, there is a... Let me, maybe let me leave it at that here. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Do you want to say anything? We've got one and a half minute or two. <laughs> um. Uh, Chairperson, I, I, I want to firstly say to the question that was related to the, to the issue of the undocumented uh, foreign nationals, um, we, 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 we must make it uh, as a statement, Chairperson, that anyone who is in South Africa in relation to going hungry and anyone uh, falling under the cracks is, is of importance for us to appreciate that we'll do everything we can to help people who are in need um, uh, of food. We are not the only department that has to deal with this. We have to engage and see how best we can be able to to support as, as um, 
Member Abraham says, you know, our brothers and sisters from the African continent and from, from wherever they come from, it's important for us to appreciate that we'll do everything uh, we can to make sure that people just don't go hungry and we do absolutely nothing um, about it. The other issue which I think is very important, and LinkedIn just ended up with uh, talking to the issue of um, uh, the, the, the judgment and what needs to be done. I think... Um, the, the statement which was issued today by cabinet is very simple and straightforward. We had a special cabinet meeting today, and there was an agreement uh, that we government that will 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 appeal, and that uh, the current regulations as they are, nothing is changing because of 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 the of the the court ruling. And, and, and also that we, we, we also extended the national state of disaster because we really just far from uh, 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 thinking that the situation is better, is, 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 is much better. We can all see practically the increases on the, on the numbers. We can see the increases on the death. We can see the challenges that are faced by our communities uh, and that we need to continue to do the work that we have been doing. So as far as changes are concerned, nothing is changing uh, at the moment in terms of the regulations, even with the, the directives. We will continue as a department to look at what is it that we need to do, what parts of the directive uh, need to, to change, if need be, what parts of the directive need to, to, to fit to uh, level three, of the regulation, so nothing uh, has changed uh, from that point, Chairperson. If I maybe I can just end there. Thank you, very, thank you, Minister. Uh, thank you, honourable members, for conducting yourself in an evening meeting in a very meticulous manner. You've done. I just wanted to say, members, people who come to any country and undocumented do not assist the cause of their own hunger. Because when you are documented, there's better planning for everyone who is inside the country. So that's a very, very, very important thing you must understand. I don't want to speak about those who are here for criminal purposes. I'm talking about the people who find themselves here for a number of reasons that are beyond their control. That if you're not documented, you're not assisting the cause of assisting yourself. And I think it's a matter that we must always preach when we meet to our... We meet, uh, our African brothers and sisters. It's a very, very, it's for their own good that people should register. And, and I must appreciate uh, the, the presentation, Minister, with your team and everyone else, and myself and Linton, who came very late, and can I, with the power <laughs> sustained in me, declare the meeting, unless, uh, Marcel, is there anything that I'm leaving out? Chair, no, you've covered all of it. Thank you. Chairperson, you've Thank covered you. everything. Thank you very much, Marcel. The meeting is here by being closed. Honorable members, have a good night. Thank you very much. Love you all. <laughs> Love you. Bye. 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 Bye, everybody. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye, Bye Minister. Good night. Bye, Bye Minister. Bye. 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 Bye.